Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Tuesday, March the 24th, Law and Gospel. And you know what we do on Tuesdays? We take an analysis of the hymn that is said to be for this coming Sunday. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my good friend, Mark Smith. Hey, Tom, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. We're doing something a little different today than normal. You're not in the studio. I don't see you. No, I'm not here. I'm I'm here at my home, at my residence. But I I can hear you loud and clear. The reason I don't see you is I'm not at the studio either. Right. (laughs) We're both from home, and uh, therefore we're not going to be playing the hymn ahead of time. But that's pretty good because it's six verses long. It's my favorite hymn oh, it's in the entire hymnal. My song is Love Unknown. What do you think about it? Oh, I love it. I love it. I don't know if it's my absolutely favorite hymn, but it's it's one of the top ones. It's certainly my favorite Lenten hymn. Yes. Yes. I don't know that much about Samuel Crossman. He died in 1683. So it's not that long after Luther's death in 1546. The reason I like it is the way the words appear. Just really is quite beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's th- got it's got a different rhythm to it and uh it's just it's just you know I picture I picture uh the uh entry into Jerusalem and uh, the whole, it's, it's, it's perfect for Holy Week. Yes. Yes, well, this isn't Holy Week, but, you know, with the virus, we may not it's have a Holy Lent. Week. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the sad thing. Well. You're staying, you're staying healthy, I hope. Oh, sure, and I've got my sermon ready to be sent to the church, churches, and I'm thinking of also doing a Bible study for them. So I'll send that also a little later. But let's, without further ado, if you'd be so kind to read the first stanza. Okay, I'm, as I read it, I can, I can hardly think of it without singing it. My song is love unknown. My Savior's love to me, love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? First verse, and the word love or lovely is four times. Really talks about John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Yeah, now, it's, all why, about, it's all about his love for us. Why does the first phrase say, my song is love unknown? Well, because you know, there are a lot of people that, that need to hear it. There's a lot of people in the world yet that need to hear about this this great love of the Lord. Yeah, that was my first thought, that what was unknown is God's love to us. But I think there's another possibility of understanding that. It is a love that people just don't even think about. It is that unknown. Because love to the loveless shown 
How many people do that? Yeah. Where they don't like somebody and show love. So I think the unknown refers not so much to the ignorance of individuals about scripture and how God so loved us, he sent his only begotten son, but it's the kind of love that is unknown in the world today, which Christians through the power of the Holy Spirit can begin to emulate. Yeah, and I would say too that it's it's uh, the height and depth of this love that we don't often realize. Yes, yes. And it's to loveless people shown that they might lovely be, which means our love to others should be like that. We're, we're seeing a lot of that during the virus where people are taking chances. I read an article. Uh, in fact, two of our grocery stores are putting up glass panels when people go through checkout uh, just to keep the virus probably at bay. And no yet, uh, you know, you could go and work right now at the grocery stores. They need help. But boy, a lot of people won't be doing that because they're really concerned about getting the virus. Yeah, I'll tell you, and the, the the medical uh, medical field is is. I understand they're they're calling doctors and nurses back out of retirement. There, so they're going to be in such great need. Oh, sure. The last line is pretty good because we've been talking about for some time how Jesus had to become a human being in order to die for human beings. And the last line really says that, my Lord should take frail flesh and die. From being almighty to frail flesh where he got hungry, he got tired, he wept. Boy, all these things uh, natural to a human being, Jesus endured for us. And who am I that for my sake he would do all this? That's right. Yes. Stanza two, I'll read. He came from his blessed throne, salvation to bestow. But men made strange and none the long for Christ would know. But oh, my friend, my friend indeed, who at my need his life did spend. Explained particularly men made strange and none the long for Christ would know. But men made strange and none the longed for Christ would know. Made strange by sin. Yeah, I, I think also they wanted to be strangers to Jesus because they longed for the Christ, but they would not know that Jesus was the Christ. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? Yes. What, what did they want to do after he fed them? They wanted to, they wanted to make him a bread king. Yes. They wanted to make so, him the kind of kind of leader that, you know, they wouldn't have to worry about working or earning bread or anything like that. Well said. So that they were strangers to what the true Christ would be. Now, not all of them. Uh, remember Simeon and Anna in the temple? Right. 
They realized it. They knew what he, they knew what he was coming for. Yes. But even Mary was still not able to figure it out. She pondered these things in her heart. So you talk about Palm Sunday, that stands at three. Go ahead. Sometimes they strew his way and his sweet praises sing, resounding all the day hosannas to their king. Then crucify is all their breath, and for his death they thirst and cry. Yes, I think we need to understand that, not so much that it's the same people who hailed him on Palm Sunday and then on Good Friday said crucify him. Those were two different sets of people. The ones who were with Palm Sunday were those who had come from another town they had seen Lazarus raised, they were singing hosannas, but the ones who were yelling crucify, many of them were paid by the uh, particular uh, individuals to do that. Yeah, I think the hymn writer, Tom, is treating humanity as a whole here. I think, you know, he's not, he's not differentiating between the two groups of people. But, you know, for myself, I don't really understand why it's so important to, to differentiate, to, to say, you know, some of those people could have changed. Um, I know a professor that, that believes that all of the, all of the uh, disciples fell from faith. And, uh, but they didn't know, yell crucify. No, no. His own no. disciples why is that? Why is that such an important point, do you think? Uh, why, why do you think that's such an important point that it couldn't possibly be the same group of people that said both the things, that said, hallelujah, but uh, five days later said crucify? Because the Bible even says that some were paid uh-huh. by the uh, Pharisees, etc., mm-hmm. and the crowd on Good Friday would not have been the crowd from Palm Sunday. They would have returned home. Also, mm-hmm. what kind of comfort does that give a Christian that on Sunday they can sing hallelujahs to Jesus, but by Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, they're saying crucify him. That's going from faith to unbelief. Uh-huh. And God keeps us in the faith. Now. I think some of the people, and this is maybe the point of your professor, on Palm Sunday joined with the Palm Sunday people because they thought he was coming, like we said, with the feeding of the 5,000 to redo Jerusalem, get rid of the Romans, restore Israel to its former grandeur. And of course, that didn't happen. They were disappointed, and they turned on Yes, mm-hmm. yes. All right, I'll read four. Why? What hath my Lord done? What makes this rage and spite? He made the lame to run. He gave the blind their sight. Sweet injuries, yet they at these themselves displease. And thirst and for, let me see. And against him rise. Yes, and against him rise. 
Um, explain a little bit sweet injuries. I'm not sure myself. I think I think um, he made the lame to run. He made the blind to sight. Sweet injuries. They're they're sweet uh, insofar as as they were healed by him. I think that's Jesus. correct. That's how I understood it too. Look at the blind man, chapter 9 of uh, John. What happened after he was healed? He worshipped Jesus. Right, right. And he was the only one there that really saw Jesus for what he was. Yeah, you can use a um, kind of a, a metaphor that sometimes we don't feel well. We have some symptoms. We go to the doctor and we find that it's worse than we thought. So the injury actually was sweet in being able to give us a treatment that we would never have gotten had we not had these symptoms. Yes, I understand. Yes, I've, I've heard stories about people that had to go to the hospital for something, and uh, fortunately they found, about, they found out about something that was much more serious, and they were able to take care of that, but only because they went to the hospital. Yes. Um, the paper today noted that no visitors are being permitted in a number of hospitals in St. Louis. And have you heard anything as to whether or not that affects pastors visiting? No, I haven't. But I know this. I, not even a pastor can get in uh, some of these uh, the, these nursing facilities uh, and uh, care facilities, uh, I, I know they won't. They won't even let family members in. Some of them to, to right. you know to visit the elderly. Well, for example, especially if they're in for the virus, the newspaper just had five family members who ended up having this problem. Wow! And two of them are in the hospital, and the other three are not. So there's an example where the other three would not be able to visit. Okay. Let's see. Stanza five, please. They rise and needs will have my dear Lord made away. A murderer they save, the prince of life they slay. Yet cheerful he to suffering goes, that he his foes from thence might free. And who was the murderer? The murderer, of course, is uh, Barabbas. Yes. Yeah, they'd rather have Barabbas freed than the prince of life. I really like the way these words are done. Oh, I know. Uh, it's, it's just a, it's a beautiful hymn. It's too bad we couldn't play the hymn uh, for the people, of course, to, for the listeners to hear, because it's just such a beautiful hymn. What does yet cheerful he to suffering goes? Is there a Bible verse that backs that up? Well, the, the I'll only... start it off. For the joy that was set before me. And very the good. Endured yes. the cross, despising the shame. And that word joy is the same Greek word that Jesus uses in the parable of the lost sheep, where he picks the sheep up and for joy returns home. 
And that's uh, an act of suffering to pick up a hundred pound stinking sheep, put it on his shoulders and walk through the wilderness back home. The same word is used that you just quoted for the joy that was set before him from the book of Hebrews. And I often ask that question and you can answer it. Why was Jesus joyous on the way to the cross? Because this is what he'd come to do. This was the ultimate. This was the ultimate purpose for which he had, for which he had come to, to, to serve. All of these other things, the healings, uh, the feeding of the 5,000, all of those things were, were ancillary. They were important. They were, they were precious. But the, the ultimate purpose for which he had come was to go to the cross in order to redeem the whole world. And that's the joy that he had, recognizing that the whole world would be redeemed. Another benefit for the loveless. Interesting. All right, I'll read six. In life, no house, no home, my Lord on earth might have. In death, no friendly tomb, but what a stranger gave. What may I say? Heaven was his home, but mine the tomb wherein he lay. That's really gets you thinking, doesn't it? Sure does, because uh, he didn't even have his own tomb for his body to repose in uh, on Good Friday. He used a borrowed tomb from uh, Joseph of Arimathea. A stranger. In fact, he was on the... uh, Sanhedrin, which was kind of the Supreme Court of Judaism, one of the two that we know of who became believers in Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea, and the other one was Nicodemus. Nicodemus, yes. And they're the ones that went to Pilate to ask for the body. So he had no house, no home. Uh, Remember, uh, a lot of times he would stop at the home of believers, Mary and Martha, etc., get food there. And the woman at the Samaritan well, remember they stayed there for a few days when she told them whom she had met at the well. And the people then believed not just because of her words, but because of his words also. Because his real home was heaven. But mine the tomb wherein he lay. Now that's interesting that our bodies will be, unless Judgment Day comes ahead of time, lying in a tomb, ready to be raised from the dead on the day of judgment. Oh, nothing to say? No, I'm just I'm just musing about the, uh, about those words. The, the words are just so beautiful. The lyrics are so beautiful and so and uh, just so poetic, if you will. Yeah, there's a poetry there. Notice there's no translator. So no. Samuel Crossman must have been English. All right, stanza seven. Here might I say and sing, no story so divine. Never was love, dear king, never was grief like thine. This is my friend, in whose sweet praise 
I all my days could gladly spend. Yeah, I think um, that last part, this is my friend in whose sweet praise I all my days could gladly spend. This kind of takes us back to stanza one, because never was love, dear king, never was grief like thine. And I think that explains my song is love unknown because there never was a love like this. Yes, when you, was, really, when you really fathom that love and really begin to appreciate uh, the great love that he poured out for us on the cross and all the aspects of it, his leaving his heavenly throne uh, and, and uh, being buried in a borrowed tomb, that's, when, that, when that hits home to you, when it really hits home to a person and they really appreciate the gospel for what it is, they realize that they could spend all their days in that sweet praise, gladly. And how do we do that sweet praise? It's not just in a divine worship service, but it's also in fulfillment of the second table of the law, which is? Loving our neighbor as ourselves. Yes. And, and living, living our life, living our life, for Jesus, by living for others. Yeah, I get emails from the congregations I'm serving, and one of them had written to all the members that we're not having worship services, stay at home, but if you need anything and can't get it, then phone the church, and we'll get you the groceries, bring them to you, or whatever else that you have a need of. Yeah, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of uh, people in need at this time, and in need of a lot of things. Just in need of in need of uh, fellowship. In fact, if if I were if I were still a pastor at this time, uh, not not retired, one one way I would use my time, I'd be on the phone all the time. You may not be able to get out to all the people, but at least use that phone and and just call on people. Yes. My home congregation, St. Paul de Pere, they have communion on Saturdays and Sundays. What you need to do, you phone the church, make an appointment so they don't have more than 10 people in the sanctuary or the gym. And in a process of 15 minutes, those 10 receive the Lord's Supper, and I'm sure a prayer. And then the next 10 uh, come in with their appointment. So there are a number of ways. And I was at a camera store a couple of days ago and congregations are just purchasing cameras in order to take anything at all. And in fact, my home congregation, you see the pastor in the pulpit delivering a sermon but there's nobody in the whole sanctuary. Uh, the organist plays the hymns, and by going to the internet, you can watch the entire worship service, uh, which is really interesting. Yeah, just think, Tom, uh, a few decades ago, prior to the development of the internet, we wouldn't be able to do any of that. Think of, think of uh, how uh, our technology today has enabled us to do those sorts of things. 
Exactly. About the most you could do is what you have already suggested, and that was using the telephone. Yeah. I, I remember a pastor was kind of disappointed that his church wasn't growing. And the vice president of the synod was... Are, are you coughing? A little bit, yes. Oh, well, don't 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 go out today. No, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just getting over a cold. And the vice president of the synod was visiting them, and so he said, uh, "Come with me." And that Sunday afternoon, they just started knocking on doors in the neighborhood. And guess what? They ended up with three new members just from that knocking just on the that. doors. Wow. So. Your point is a, a good one. Uh, we, we once had a program where we called, I think, 800 people in our area. And uh, we got a class going, adult instruction, and had a number join the church that way. So there are other ways to reach out. Well, I hope you're going to be feeling better. We may be doing this again next week. Uh, over the phone. Uh, until then, this is Tom Baker and Mark Smith. Tomorrow, we'll have a Bible study, and we pray that you'll listen to it about the Lenten season. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.